If you have your Bibles with you, please take them and turn to the book of Galatians, chapter 5, and we'll be reading verses uh, 16 through 25. We will be thinking or referencing um, a passage in Romans. So let me, uh, before we get to our main passage, I want us to uh, just look at this real quick. Uh, You probably remember this passage if you've ever read Romans. It's from chapter 7, and it's kind of almost an agony uh, that Paul talks about, and he says, In uh, Romans 7, 15, For what I am doing, I do not understand. For what I will to do, I do not practice. But what I hate, I do. And he basically goes on and really discusses this issue that he has of frustration with wanting to be a good Christian, wanting to do what's right, and yet falling into sin over and over and over again. We've been um, in a series on peace of mind. And three weeks ago, uh, we began looking at the peace of Jesus or the peace of Christ. And we talked about that that first peace, that initial peace that's really foundational to everything else, comes from being secure in a relationship with Jesus Christ, knowing that he is our Savior, uh, that he has us, as he says, in his hands, and no one can snatch, uh, be snatched out of the Father's hand. And so having that peace from knowing that God is with us, that he is unchanging, he's with us on the mountaintops, he's with us in the valleys, he's with us everywhere. So that was what we discussed that first week in the peace of Christ, of having a peace of mind just knowing that God is with you. And that he that's in you, that's God, is greater than he that's in the world. The next week, uh, two weeks ago, we looked at uh, the peace of God. And that comes through giving our cares, our concerns, our worries to the Lord. Coming to him in prayer and giving those things to God. Focusing our minds on on the good things in life and, and doing what God has called us to do. Um, if we think about the wrong things, then it gets our focus wrong and we don't have peace. If we knowingly walk, intentionally walk in sin, then we're not going to have peace in our life. So we talked about how giving things to the Lord in prayer, uh, thinking about the right things, and, and doing what God has called us to do, how that can give us uh, great, even greater peace in our life. So the peace of God, the peace of Christ. And today we're we're kind of, uh, we may talk some more about peace in the future, but this little section at least, we're concluding uh, 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 the Trinity here by the peace of the Spirit. And here's the question I want us to answer today. Okay, if I'm settled that Jesus is my Savior, I know I have that relationship with Him forever and always. Check. I, that's good. I'm with Jesus. And, and then 
I'm actually, and, and, and a lot of us would have to say we don't do this all the time, but what if I am actually taking my problems and my burdens to the Lord? What if I'm casting my cares on Him? I, I'm doing that, and I am trying to put the right things in my mind and get the bad influences out, and I am trying to walk with the Lord. So check, peace of Christ, peace of God. But what if I've done those things, and I am doing those things as well as I know how, and yet, my peace is still disturbed because I am frustrated in my Christian experience. I try to do what's right. I try to, to love the Lord, to carry out his commands, and yet I keep falling into sin. I, I keep stumbling over and over and over. Even though I'm trying to do those other things, I, I'm just frustrated and I don't have peace of mind because it, this, this battle that I've got going on, that I seem to be losing, it is robbing me of my peace and my joy. How do we address that? And that is the subject, that is the type of peace that we're going to be talking today and that it comes from the Holy Spirit. Now, I could stop right there and say, hey, the peace of the Spirit, but how do we get that? What does the peace of the Spirit do in our lives? That's what we're going to be talking about of understanding the peace of the Spirit, how it gives us victory uh, in the Christian life. So if you would um, stand with me now as we read from Galatians, beginning in verse 16. Galatians 5, 16. I say then, walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusts against the spirit, and the spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary to one another, so that you do not do the things that you wish. But if you are led by the spirit, you are not under law. Now the works of the flesh are evident, which are adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, dissensions, heresy, envy, murders, drunkenness, revelries, and the like, of which I tell you beforehand, just as I told you in the time past, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law. And those who are Christ have crucified the flesh in its passions and desires. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, I pray that you would teach us today how to walk in your Spirit. That the Spirit of Jesus would be the thing that we focus our hearts and our minds on, the spirit of truth, the great comforter. Lord, that we would understand that not only is our Christian life better when we walk in the spirit, but that it's really impossible without walking in the spirit. Father God, we pray and ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. May you be seated. Now let's go ahead and let's acknowledge something right up front. The Holy Spirit makes a lot of Christians uncomfortable. A lot of us 
get worried when the Holy Spirit comes up because we're afraid that we might get put into uh, some camp. We might get called some name. Uh, we, we might, people might think, well, we're those holy rollers or, you know, it's so funny. We're more worried about being called a name than we are missing what God has for us in his spirit, missing the blessings that he has. And that's unfortunate because without a real understanding and a real knowledge and a real working with the Holy Spirit, we miss so much in our lives. In fact, Francis Chan wrote a book on the Holy Spirit, and he entitled it The Forgotten God. Because so often we can talk about God our Father, and we can talk about Jesus, and the Holy Spirit is just nowhere to be found. And yet God has told us through his word, through Jesus himself and through his apostles, that the Holy Spirit is absolutely vital to living our Christian life the way that we need to live it. I want us to go through this morning, and I want us to think about the peace that we have by walking in the Spirit of God. What are the different forms of peace? And then we'll talk just a little bit about how do we better understand that walking in the Spirit. The first thing that I want us to realize that walking in the Holy Spirit, living in the Holy Spirit, that it gives us a peace, first of all, of confidence. The story goes that Abraham Lincoln was ready. He had been all morning um, at, a, at an event where he'd been shaking hands, and his hand was actually swollen. He had taken, shaken so many hands. That afternoon, he was to sign uh, the Emancipation Proclamation. It had all been done out in nice, neat calligraphy. It was printed, laid out. All it lacked was his signature. And they said, Mr. President, would you go ahead and sign this now? And according to the story, he said no. He said, I'm going to wait until my hand is better, until it calms down, until it feels better. Because I want the American people to know that when I sign this, I do so with full confidence. He didn't want them seeing a shaky signature and it being interpreted as him being anything less than confident in what he was about to do. By the way, isn't that interesting? They did that analyze signatures, and these days, just like we read a tweet, and 800,000 people attack that person, we're kind of that, it, it was that way back then, they just didn't have Twitter. Human nature has not changed. But it is so important for us, for ourselves, and for people that we're around, that we have confidence in our Christian lives, and without walking in the Holy Spirit, we're going to lack that. You see, Paul said here in verse 16, he said, Walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. And by the way, that's not just a sexual thing. When he says lust here, it's any strong, sinful desire, anything that the flesh, which is Paul's term for the old nature or the fallen or the, the sinful desires that each, and I are, each of us are born with. He says, if... You are teamed up with the Holy Spirit. You are not going to do the things that the flesh wants you to do. In other words, Paul's saying there is a guaranteed way to have victory in your Christian life. So many people 
have misunderstood Paul on this point, especially back in Romans, where we read in chapter 7, where he's talking about, oh, I want to do good, but I can't do good, and I'm having these problems, and I'm, 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 I'm feeling defeated. Paul was addressing in that chapter how life goes if we try to... Oh, did y'all hear that, or am I crazy? Okay. Oh, okay. I thought, who is that weird guy? Now I know, it's me. Okay. <clears throat> so Paul was saying, he was saying, this is how life is if you try to live the Christian life without the power of the Holy Spirit. That's what Romans chapter 7 is all about about how defeated you will be. No matter how good you want to be, no matter how many times you turn over a new leaf, no matter how many times rededications you make or recommitments you make, no matter what you do, if you try to live the Christian life in your own power, you're going to fall on your face over and over. Even Paul, who is a great Christian scholar and apostle, said, when I try to live this way, I fall on my face. I do what I don't want to do. I mess up constantly when I live this way. But here in Galatians, Paul is, he's he's not just saying, coming from the viewpoint of you're going to fail if you live that way. Here he says, hey, by the way, there's a choice. You can live according to the flesh, that is your old fleshly desires, or you can live by the power of the Spirit. And he says, if you live in the power of the Holy Spirit, You will not fail. You will not fall into these things. And by the way, I'm not up here claiming you're going to live sinless perfection the rest of your life because all of us at times, if we're honest, we're going to get away from walking in the Holy Spirit. But he's saying as long as we do, as long as we're in God's Spirit and operating in that, we're going to do what's right. That confidence is an amazing freedom and peace when we realize we are not destined or doomed to failure over and over again, but that we can live out what God's called us to live out if we're walking in his spirit. Now, some of you are probably saying, what does it mean to walk in his spirit? I mean, walking is a physical thing. The spirit is a non-physical thing. What in the world does that mean? Walking in the Bible just referred to the way you lived your life. Like in Psalm chapter 1, he says, Blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the ungodly. That is, they don't surround themselves with ungodly people and listen to them. Here when he says walk in the Spirit, he's saying you are living your life with maximum exposure to the Holy Spirit that you can get. You are soaking up every bit of God's Spirit that you can possibly get a hold of. That is the way that God has called you to live. And he says, if you live that way, there is a confidence that comes from it. When we come down to the next verse, we see that there is also a piece of freedom. Um, Freedom from legalism, freedom from uh, loose living, either way. Let me read these verses. Verse 17, For the flesh lusts against the spirit, and the spirit against the flesh. These are contrary to one another, so that you do not do the things that you wish. 
But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. He said there's two great forces at work in your life. If you're a believer, number one, you still inhabit, you still have the flesh. And again, he's not just talking about literal flesh on your body. He's talking about the old sinful nature, the old way of life. He said that is still hanging around. Okay, We'll talk about that a little bit more later. Uh, it's, it's been pronounced, it's been sentenced. That old sinful flesh is going to go away one day, but right now it's still kind of hanging on. On the other hand, you have the new life that God put in you. You have the Spirit of God. And he said those two things are in direct opposition. And basically, if you step back and if you just say, well, um, I'm just going to be fair here. Um, <laughs> I'm just not going to support either one too much. Um, you're going to end up constantly at war. And you're going to end up somewhere on this spectrum between law, legalism, and license or loose living. That is, you're all the way over here, and you're trying to do what's right all you can, but you're failing over and over again because you realize you're not perfect and you can't match up, you can't compare correctly to the, to the standards. Or you're all the way over here, and you're just the, hey, uh, I don't need any rules. I can live however I want. And a lot of Christians say, see those two extremes. Well, this is, you know, this cold Mr. Goody Two-Shoes over here that's always real moral and all about all the checklists and all about all the rules. Well, I don't want to be that guy. And here's the person over here who's wild, who has no control who harms other people, who has no regard for anybody else. And we see those two extremes, and we say, well, uh, I don't want to be either of those things, so I want to be kind of like in the middle. But I'm going to tell you, in life, there are a lot of things where you're right in the middle, but here you're not. It doesn't matter where you are on that scale. What Paul's saying here, anywhere on that scale, you're operating under imprisonment to either your fleshly desires or if you're trying not to do those things to the law and you're never measuring up. He says the truth of the Christian life is not found halfway between being a goody two-shoes and between a wild partier. It's not anywhere on that scale. It's something over and above it. It's a totally different track in life and that is the track of following the Holy Spirit. Instead of saying, well, I'm just going to let everything go, or, I'm going to be perfect and do everything right? He says, you get off that track completely. It's not about I, 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 I. It's about God and his spirit. And me being led by him. Notice that in the verse that we just read, verse 18. But if you are led by the spirit, you are not under the law. In other words, <clears throat> there's a freedom there. The Christian life is not what some people think of. I'm going to be a cruel Christian, which means I say I love Jesus, and yet I do anything and everything that I want to do. And it's not about being that rule-keeping Christian that's I'm a good Christian because I've done everything right, and I checked all the lists and checked them twice, and I know you're not doing near as good as me. The Christian life was designed to be neither of those things, but rather a relationship with God through His Spirit. And we are led by him. We follow him. 
And we're not under the law, but we're rather we're under grace, following Jesus Christ. So there's a freedom there from legalism, a freedom from wild living that's destructive. Uh, there's a freedom of, from regret as well. You know, he talks here about all these sins, the works of the flesh, adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness, and he goes on and on and on. And, and then at the very end, he says, and the like. And that means, I'm not, Paul's saying, I'm not giving you a comprehensive things list of all the things that will mess up your life. He said, these are just some examples. But I could go on and on and on if I wanted to. But you get the picture, Paul's saying. But people who live like this, they are going, they are not going to inherit the kingdom of God. There's going to be a lot of people that get to the end of their life and they are going to look back and they're going to have deep, deep regret over the way they lived their life. I was just reading the other day that uh, when David Cassidy passed several months ago, um, a star from the 70s, for those of you who don't, who don't know who he is. His last words to his daughter were, were, so much wasted time. And she talked about the impact of that on her life. So much wasted time. And Paul's saying if you live in a way that you just go out and do whatever, be wild as a buck, or if you live in this way where you make your whole life about little rules and religion, you're going to regret that. But if you live by the Spirit, you will not. You will have freedom from that regret. There is also a peace of productivity in your life, a peace from knowing that you're actually um, doing good things, that good stuff is happening through you. When you look in, um, in here in verse 22 about the fruit of the Spirit, it says the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. Paul says when you live this way, walking with the Holy Spirit, you are going to naturally produce good things in your life. It goes back to what Jesus said in John 15 when he said, I'm the vine, you are the branches. Remain in me or abide in me, and you'll bear much fruit. In other words, if we have that ongoing connection to the Lord, then good things are naturally going to come out of our lives. Now, here's something that is just awesome about how this whole thing works. I don't know about you, but I can get overwhelmed by the number of different sins and problems I have. You know, like, my prayer list can get real long. If I just had, like, one pet sin and I aced everything else, let's just say it was cussing. And I just go to the Lord every day. Lord, help me with my cussing, okay? If that was my only sin, that would be easy for me to focus on, to say, Lord, help me with this one sin, okay? But I find that envy and jealousy and temper and all sorts of different types of problems come up and sometimes it gets to be so much that it can be almost overwhelming because I think well I messed up on that again now I'll start praying about that again it kind of fallen off the bottom of the list because I you know I messed up so much but here's the cool thing about this 
what we really need to do, now we can take anything, if you're concerned about a particular thing, absolutely take it to the Lord. But what he's saying here is when the Holy Spirit works in your life, then you naturally produce love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. And so what that tells me is I can pray for those specific areas if I want to and say, God, I'm, I'm having a struggle here. But I don't necessarily have to every single day. I can just come to God and say, God, I want more of your spirit. I want more of you. I want you to fill me in a greater way. I want you to enlarge my capacity, God, for you to work through me. And, and so I don't have to, like, one of these things is on the list is patience. And how many of you said, I'm not going to pray for patience because I, I don't want God to send some stuff my way. Guess what? You don't have to. Because guess what? Some bad stuff's going to come your way whether you ask God for patience or not. But what you can do is every single day you can say, God, fill me with your spirit. And the more God's spirit fills you and works through you, the more you will uh, produce Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness. So I don't have to get overwhelmed with this 50-page long prayer list of all my faults and sins and ill conditions. I can simply come to the Lord. I can confess, you know, here's something that happened yesterday. I didn't confess it yet. Here, I'm confessing it now, Lord. And Lord, just fill me with your spirit. Because not only do I want the Lord to help me not do that thing that I did yesterday, but I just want him to help me to live right all the time. And so I can just simply ask for more of the Spirit. I can ask for more patience if I want. But I'd rather say, God, just give me more of your Spirit. Because then he's going to give me more of the patience, more of the love, more of the joy, more of the kindness, more of the peace. There's an incredible productivity there that we experience when we are walking in the Spirit of God. Then verse 24, we see a, a peace of fulfillment. He says, and those, Paul says, and those who are Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and its desires. Paul says, you know what? Back on that day in which your heart opened to the gospel of Jesus Christ, and in faith you received the gift of Jesus Christ, on that day you did something, you may have not even realized it, but in accepting what God has done for you, how Jesus died on the cross, he said, you, in turn, you put to death, you crucified your old life. You now live by the Spirit of God. That old flesh, remember I told you it's still hanging around, we struggle with it, but it's on the cross, okay? It's been crucified. It is dying as we speak, but the death of crucifixion does not happen instantly. Remember, even at Jesus' crucifixion, they had to go around and make poke people and, and, and make sure that they were dead because a holiday was coming up and, and they couldn't have those dead people hanging there because it could stretch out. The Bible's saying your old way of living, it is dying. It's had a death sentence on it. It's kind of like in jail, those who are on death row are referred to as dead men walking. Because their death is already planned. It's already coming. It just hasn't been carried out yet. Your flesh has been crucified. That is, you made a choice. I'm going to live for Christ and not for myself now. That was part of your salvation experience. And he says, when you live this way, walking in the Spirit, 
you are fulfilling that allegiance that you made back then, that commitment, that life choice that you made that forever changed the direction of your life. You are just living in that reality whenever you walk in the Spirit. The final aspect of peace is a peace that comes from intimacy. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. The peace of intimacy is a peace that comes from knowing that we are incredibly close to God. And He is not something that is distant and far from us but he is with us, incredibly close. He says, listen, notice the verbs used here. The first verse we read back in 16 talked about walking in the Spirit, and it used a regular word for walking. Okay, so that word, and we said that meant just living that way uh, in the Holy Spirit's power. And then a couple of verses down, we saw another verb. It said being led by the Spirit. And so that was focused on us being submissive to God. That's us following his leadership, not letting the flesh have reign in our life, but letting Jesus have reign. Now, this final word, it's also translated walk, but in some other translations, it says keep in step with the Holy Spirit. It is a term that has to do, it was a military term in the ancient world, and it had to do with marching. And isn't it interesting, there are some things from thousands of years ago that still apply, the same principles apply today. Now, I never knew anything about marching. Uh, I, I wasn't in the military, I wasn't in band, but when Caleb got in band, I started understanding the importance of marching. Because I could watch out there, and a beautiful show looked so great, and there was one kid out of step. And then all of a sudden, the whole thing looks bad. And, and then uh, she twists her baton, and it hits the tuba guy in the head. And then, you know, it all falls apart because one guy, one girl, is out of step. It's so important to be right there where you're supposed to be. I was talking uh, uh, about this concept uh, with Mark. From, I asked him, you know, what about when you were... In the Marines. See, I, I've been thinking about Caleb's friend, Dylan. He's got, by the way, say a prayer for him. Uh, tomorrow, he leaves for Jackson, and then on Tuesday, uh, he'll fly to Missouri and begin basic training in the Army. But, you know, one of the things Mark was saying was, you learn not only just how to, beginning is just where to stand in a proxim, proximity to other people. How exactly you're supposed to be related to them. And pretty much every army, anywhere you go in the world, they learn you got to be in step. Any military force learns to march with precision in the right relationship to the other soldiers. And Paul uses that exact term here to say that is how we're to be with the Spirit. We're not to lag behind the Spirit. We're not to get ahead of the Spirit of God. Uh, we're not to be off wandering somewhere else that we are supposed to be right in step with the Spirit. In other words, our lives need to sync up 
with the Spirit. Our lives need to match what God is doing. Now let me take, demystify this for a second. Am I saying that we go to the Lord and we say, Oh Lord, when I go to Tutti Frutti and I'm, I get my ice cream, should it be vanilla or chocolate? Give me a sign. No, 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 no. People who think that living in the Spirit is that way, they're constantly worried. Oh, did I miss the Lord? I got Rocky Road. Is that a sin? Is that wrong? You know, they, they don't know what to do because they think that's what being led by the Spirit is. No. Being led by the Spirit is simply reminding you constantly, keeping you in the right mind frame of doing God's will rather than doing the flesh. God may con be concerned to some degree about who you choose to date or the house you choose to live or the college you choose to go to. Yes, please, by all means, pray about all of those things. But walking in the Spirit does not mean that God promises to give you a certain answer on every little decision you have in life. God is, the Holy Spirit is not some form of fortune-telling that you get if you get real close to God. Now, God may speak to you. He may, he may heal somebody through you. You might break out in a language you've never heard of. Guess what? That's never happened to me. <laughs> None of those things. God can do whatever he wants to do. But the point is not about you doing something miraculous or about you doing something that is, has some special knowledge. The point is about you being full of God's spirit. Of you saying, God, I want to walk in you. That is, I, I just want to, I want my whole life to be about you. Remember the t-shirts that came out a few years back and everybody had their blank is life. Soccer is life. Football is life. Music is life. You know, everybody had to have this, whatever their favorite thing was, is life. And God is saying, I am life. You can do a lot of religious stuff. You can give money. You can be a member of a church. You can do all sorts of religious stuff. But until you come to that place where you realize God is life, and I'm going to try to live my life every moment of every day. And it's a work in progress, folks, and none of us get it completely right. But until we get to that point where we say that's how I'm going to live my life, not just as some kind of Sunday activity or Wednesday night activity, but I'm going to live my life in the presence of God and in the power of God, and I'm going to let his spirit be what matters to me, and I'm going to submit to his spirit rather than my fleshly desires. And I'm going to do my very best to keep exactly in step with him and, and not lag behind him or get ahead of him, but stay right there with him. Paul says when you do that, there is an incredible peace that comes from knowing. You don't have to worry about this stuff anymore. You simply have to follow me. And isn't that what Jesus said? As he came calling his disciples, he said, follow me. My mind is bad. I can't remember all the rules. I can't remember every single Bible verse. Follow me. I, I seem to run into the same patterns and habits and problems over and over again. Follow 
me. Fill up on my spirit. The more you grow in Christ, the more you are filled with God's spirit, the more you immerse yourself in him, the more the life of Christ is lived through you. And if it's Christ living and not you living, and that's exactly what Paul said when he said, I have been crucified with Christ, so therefore now I no longer live, but Christ now lives in me. I got a little secret, folks. Christ doesn't mess up. Christ doesn't sin. And so when it is Christ living through you, you will have the freedom of knowing you can have victory over the fleshly sinful desires. You don't have to be torn apart by constant failure, but you can rest in fellowship with God. Pray with me today. Heavenly Father, um, I, I just ask that you'd help us to keep our minds on you. We've been given the, the 100% guaranteed every time victory formula. And that is walking with you, letting you live through us. And yet, God, we lose focus. We stumble. We follow after vain and worthless things. And then we end up in regret. God, you didn't call us to live with regret or with fear or with worry. You called us to live boldly and confidently in a relationship with you. Our confidence is not in ourselves. It's in you. Father, help us to grasp that and more than just grasp it, to really get it, to really live it. It's not enough for us to know about your spirit. But God, you've called us to live in your spirit, to walk every single day of our lives in your spirit. Lord, help us to do that. Help us to seek after you, to be filled by you, to let your spirit overflow and touch others around us. God, we pray and we ask all these things in Jesus' precious name. Amen.